0: Hey, folks, Producer Spencer here. This program was recorded in February of 2023. It references Mark's trip to Israel a few weeks prior. This, of course, is long before the Hamas terrorist attacks that unfolded in October. With that in mind, please enjoy the program. I've just returned from Israel, and I'm bubbling over with all kinds of information, including a current update on the status of the abortion debate in the Holy Land, I learned a whole lot. And today on the program, you'll get to hear about it. Well, hello, friends. Mark Harrington here. You're listening to your radio activist on The Mark Harrington Show. You can pick us up on all the popular podcasting platforms and all the social media websites, Instagram, Facebook, and the rest. And if you've been following me on social media, you know I just had a trip to Israel with my wife and also an organization called Tom Short Campus Ministries. And in future programs, I'm going to be kind of discussing about my visit uh, and how that impacted me. I will say this, you know, I'm going to be 63 years old. and I have to say this was probably the most uh, impactful time of my life. I mean, going to Israel in the Holy Land. I exhort everyone listening and watching to make that a priority, uh, at least once in your lifetime, if not more. And I'm certainly interested in returning someday to the uh, to the land of Israel. So, but today, what I wanted to do, because, is to talk about how uh, the anti-abortion issue fits into the discussion internationally and in talking about Israel. Because when I went to Israel, I had nine days of touring, but I contacted a uh, pro-life organization, probably the most prominent pro-life group in the, uh, in the state of Israel, because I wanted to get an understanding of what's going on there, obviously, as an American pro-life leader It's not just about the United States, it's about the worldwide issue and how we can end abortion worldwide. So I always wanna learn something about where I'm going when I travel. And in keeping with that, I made it a time to visit with one of those leaders, and she's with us today. And her name is Sandy Shoshani, and she's the National Director of Pro-Life Israel, and uh, the organization's website, you can check it out at. And I am going to spell it. It's B E A D C H I C H A I M dot com, and I am going to try to pronounce this, but biad biad Kim <laughs> is is the best I can do. But if you go to the website, B E A D C H A I M dot com you will see what uh, this organization is doing in Israel. So, Sandy, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, You know, modern technology is wonderful. We can talk to you. You're halfway across the world. It's 4 p.m. in Israel, where it's 9 a.m. here in the United States. Uh, We're just really excited for you to be on the show today.
1: Thanks, Mark. It was good to see you in Jerusalem, and it's good to see you again now.
0: Well, hopefully we can become become friends over time. I'm looking forward to continuing our relationship. Uh, So when I was in Israel, we met at the Olive Tree Hotel, which is where our tour stayed. And we we discussed things. And I kind of want to just go back and fill in people as to what I learned. Uh, I want to know, and I think our listeners and viewers want to know what's going on in Israel. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I really had not been keeping up on what's going on in Israel as relates to abortion. I mean, I'm, I'm focused primarily here in the United States. There's been a lot going on here in the U.S., of course, with the uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, but as I you know, knew I was coming to Israel, I wanted to contact you because I was really interested in what's happening. And so we made time to meet. And I guess the place to start is just explain, if you would, what your organization, Israel Pro-Life or Pro-Life Israel, it's Pro-Life Israel, right?
1: Israel Pro-Life. Israel Israel
0: Israel. Pro-Life. All right. Uh, What you're doing in Israel?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I know some of your viewers are going to think, how could there be abortion in Israel, the Holy Land? Exactly. And I know it, and I just want to say that our government, because we have national health insurance, our government actually funds free abortions. A woman has to go through a committee to have the abortion, but 99.6% of the time that she applies for that free abortion, she's gonna get permission to have it. And then the abortions are not in clinics like they are in the US private. They're in government hospitals. And so you could be having a birth and having an abortion in the same place at the same time. I mean, two women. And so that's how abortion is in Israel. And it's, it's a major, I almost not crime, but it's, it is in a sense, because our government is funding, the government is allowing, the government is affirming, and that the abortions and the abortionists are in the same hospitals as the birth. So this is really a tough situation for us because, you know, it's just so normal. It's, and Mark, you know, when you were in Israel, we talked about it, it's kind of like doing a tummy tuck or, or a you know, doing something to your nose because the government also funds those things. Also IVF is funded. So it makes it all very legitimate, very normal, very main place. And so what Ba'ad Chaim is or pro-life is doing is giving women an alternative. You know, the subtitle of our name is protecting the mother and the child because we don't say that we're against abortion. What we say is we are pro-women, pro-life, pro-choice. I am pro-choice. Why? because I want to give her a choice to choose life. I want to give her that opportunity. I want to give her the possibility to choose life for her child. And if I can say a bit more, you know, um, and I'm sure many people who are watching now know that when a woman is pregnant and in crisis, maybe she uh, maybe she didn't plan it, maybe she didn't want it, maybe it's bad timing. Maybe she has another baby who's three months old now and she got pregnant and she, she's shocked. Maybe she was single and maybe she went to a bar and didn't even know who the guy is. I don't know. But it's very frightening to be in an unplanned, unwanted pregnancy. And so we we are here in Jerusalem and all over Israel to, op- to give her the opportunity to have new hope, to have a chance to choose life, to give yeah. her that hope, to give her that love.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that. You know, that is one of the things that shocked me when I asked you, what's the status of abortion in Israel? uh, First of all, when I found out that they're conducting or committing the abortions in hospitals, that to me was a mind-blowing thought because in the United States, it's opposite. They don't do them in hospitals. They do them in standalone abortion facilities. So that was number one. Number two, when you talked about a committee that the uh, a woman has to petition, I guess, to get permission to have the abortion. That committee's in the hospitals, not the government, right? I mean, it's just somebody in yes. the hospital that get together and say, and they rubber stamp it and say, have the abortion. It's
1: two doctors, uh, very different than the United States. Yeah. yeah, it's two doctors, a nurse, and a social worker. It's with yeah, the hospital. Very,
0: very, very yeah. different in the U.S. Uh, and that you said that it really is a non-issue or non-debate. There is really little debate over abortion in Israel. Again, a, a shocker to me because I figured in a country that is so religious, right, where you have the three monotheistic religions based, or at least there, right, with uh, Islam, Christianity, and and Judaism, you would expect to be in a, a, a hot debate on abortion, but that's not the case. And again, that was something that was news to me. Uh, and I think many people listening would say, wow, that that seems unusual. You would think that that would be uh, it would be something that would be very much debated, but it's not. And so I think, you know, when I was pondering all of this, I thought, wow, uh, you, you know, people need to be assisting your organization to to really move the needle in Israel. So let me ask you this question. Um you, you mentioned what the Curtis current, uh, status of the law is. I think we get that. Uh, I asked you about the pro abortion movement and I mean, is there one, I mean, here in the U S and around the world, Planned Parenthood is really the, uh, the main player. Is that the case in Israel?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that there's a movement. I would say that there are people who are very pro abortion and, uh, but there doesn't really need to be a movement so much because right. of the government is funding. Mm-hmm. They're just, that, that debate just doesn't exist. And, and when we do, let's say we put up uh, a giant billboard on the highway five times. And then, of course, people on media will complain and I'll be interviewed and people will, um, you know, people will misquote. And But really, our goal, Mark, is to offer the help. It's to right. offer the alternative to choose life. So we've actually, in 2016, we won an award for service to women in Israel's health because we offer that kind of help. We offer a woman everything she needs for a full year. And I want to speak again to the Americans. You are offering medical uh, services in your pregnancy clinics. They're primarily medical. Here in Israel, all medical is free. So the woman is coming in with her ultrasound picture to our office. She doesn't need us to give her any free medical because all of her medical is already given to her. So our goal then is to provide humanitarian here that we really need to fund her. And by the way, the statistic here is that almost half, 48% of the abortions are married couples. And it's very different, very different. Less than 10% are young girls under 18. We're talking about people who are struggling to make ends meet people who really don't know how to manage anymore. And of course, in the Orthodox populations, people are having 10, 12 children. And some of those people are coming to us utterly poor, living, I just read one of our case studies today. One of the mothers lives in two tiny rows with her eight children. And her husband's not making any money because he's studying uh, Jewish law in a Talmudic place, which is honorable for them. And I actually met her husband and he does circumcision ceremonies and he could be paid well, but he said, no, it's a what they call here in, in Israel and mitzvah. It's a it's a blessing for me to do that for free. So they're utterly poor. And uh many times we just have to help people because they can't, they couldn't have another child. I mean, they could not.
0: My guest is Sadie Shoshani, and she's with Israel Pro Life. And you can go to the website B-E-A-D-C-H-A-I-M dot com or behad time. I'm, I'm going to butcher that again, but I'm doing my best uh, to find out more. Uh, Sandy, um, you know, I, as I'm hearing you and listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, really, since there is no political solution in Israel regarding abortion, where in the United States, we're still in the fight, right? I mean, we have an opportunity to outlaw abortion. We can restrict abortion with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Things, things are very different here but in Israel, there is no no political solution, at least on the horizon. It seems to me what you're doing is everything you should, and that is rescue children and rescue women, uh, obviously. Uh, But let me ask you this, and we talked about this as well. So in a country that is Jewish and Muslim and Christian, how are people even having abortions then? I mean, when I asked you, I you know, because Muslims are opposed to abortion. We have Muslims in the United States. When we talk to them on the streets or on a campus, they're against abortion, generally. And so are most Jews, right? Right. How is it then that they're no, right. at the numbers no. you are? that they Mark, are, not are. right.
1: In other words, the Muslims are seriously against abortion. And I have met, I've been in the Knesset to meet with various Knesset members in the past. And uh, the Muslims are against abortion. And yet... Uh, Perhaps some people know this. If a single Muslim girl would become pregnant, not always, but sometimes her life is in danger because it's what's called honor killing. One of our young moms actually was murdered by her brothers. I'm very sorry to say another boyfriend of one of our young moms was murdered by the brothers of the woman. It can be very dangerous. And we also provide housing. Of course, we have an apartment. In one of our cities, where our, we have branches all over Israel. And in one of our cities, we have a five-room apartment near the beach um, in a lovely, quiet neighborhood so that we can house the mobs who need housing or to be really sheltered and hidden.
0: Yeah, um, I, you know, I want to pause here for a moment yeah. if I might. I yeah. might really emphasize this point. Here in the United States, we hear about honor killings in the Middle East and generally in Muslim countries, not in Israel. We don't hear about those very often. So when you told me that story, uh, again, shocking, shocking. These women in Israel are under threat of their own life if they choose not to abort is what you're telling me. That is not the case in the United States. I mean, So a woman that chooses life, just think of what they have to go through or is thinking about choosing life. Uh, what they're up against and you guys are in the thick of that that i want people to just understand that because i don't think we get it
1: it's you know it's pretty hard here mark in that sense there's also um uh, sometimes the women leave we we had one woman leave her country of turkey and come and live in israel and then we moved her later to denmark and then she moved to the states finally i mean she really had to leave her family she had to sag went to study another woman had to cut off contact to have the, the baby she had the baby. Something like she had she, the baby.
0: Chose life, yeah.
1: She chose life. I mean, in the Jewish sector, you don't have honor killing, but the woman might be from an ultra-orthodox family and be single and be utterly ashamed or be ostracized by her orthodox community. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a situation that's simple. It's um, that being said, there are women who are willing to make the initial sacrifice of family at least during pregnancy, and then afterwards say, look. I've had the child and now I'm going to have this child for the rest of my life. Parents choose, choose to be in a relationship or not. And oftentimes after the birth, the grandparents turn around and say, yes, we want a relationship with you. I've seen that many times, but the woman has to be very brave. And of course, then you just have the situations where marriages are falling apart. Or today I saw the situation of a gal who was divorced and became pregnant by her ex-husband. It's so embarrassing and difficult but she chose life, she chose life.
0: Now, having so, said all that, how do you reach these women? I know that you guys have centers around the country. Uh, explain a little bit how you would go about trying to reach these women we, in, a, in a country where abortion is normalized.
1: So we don't reach them, they reach us. We advertise very heavily on Google. A lot right. of keywords on Google, we advertise, most of our clients arrive to us either by Google, Facebook, or, um, well, I did have, as I said, billboards. I had 450 buses all over Israel. The entire side of the bus was advertising. I did radio advertising. Um, I've done a lot of advertising, but primarily, we also work, it's the, it's the Google and the social media, and we work with the welfare department. And so oftentimes the welfare department will, will refer the women to us. And in one of the cities in Israel, uh, they actually provide our distribution center and our office space. And then the social workers in that very poor city will refer the women who are considering abortion because of finance or because of broken lives or because of broken marriages. They refer those women to us so that the women will choose life. And I really love that. I love being able to say, here you are, here, we're going to provide everything you need for your baby. Our project is called, by the way, Operation Moses. So you look at our website and you see, what is Operation Moses? It's providing... My sponsors around the world, sponsorship program, like the UNICEF sponsorship program, where you know the baby and mom that you're sponsoring for a full year, and you get letters about them, updates, and uh, you're able to pray for that family. So you support them both financially and through prayer. So it's exciting to be able to save those lives by supporting with hope and practical help the moms.
0: Amen. My guest is Sandy Shoshani, and she's with Israel Pro-Life, or Bahad Haim. And you can find out more by going to B-E-A-D-C-H-A-I-M dot com. And uh, Sandy, I want to ask you, I want to shift a little bit here and talk about politics. I know that that's probably not something you really want to discuss, but I think Americans need to understand what's going on in Israel regarding not just abortion politics, but also politically speaking. I've been trying to brush up. Before, and actually, when I went there, and now that I've left, I want to stay up on Israeli politics because I think it matters. But you you said earlier that it's not an issue uh, politically. In other words, the Knesset hardly ever discusses it. Uh, If you would, I mean, why is it that there's no discussion in a country that suffered the Holocaust? You know, I went to Yad Vashem. Uh, that was part of our tour, which is the Israeli Museum on the Holocaust. I've been to the Washington D.C. Uh, Holocaust Museum, and it just was just utterly ironic that you have this Yahad B'Shem Holocaust Museum in Israel, in Jerusalem, talking about the Holocaust, yet it is occurring in Israel uh, again. Uh, without much being done about it. So if you would, kind of give us why it is that the country is not dealing with it politically. And then I have one other question about uh, okay. the current situation.
1: First of all, Mark, uh, most of the Israelis don't consider the baby a human being until the baby emerges, the head is out and the cord is cut. That's Israeli law. We're talking about Israeli law. The baby is not a human being until the head emerges and the cord is cut.
0: And what is that based on? What do they base that on?
1: I can't answer that question. I don't have an answer. Number two, um, there have been several TV programs about uh, recipe for a perfect baby and a perfect child. And people think, and I'm not this. I'm not exaggerating. Many Israelis think that it's wrong to bring a baby into the world if he will not have a perfect situation. In other words, two parents, enough money, uh, full health. Uh, for example, in the U.S., if a baby might have—and this is a true story—if a baby would have a hole in its heart and a club foot, in Israel the parents are told to abort. In America, mm-hmm. the doctors would say, "No problem, we'll take care of that surgically after birth." And I am—I no, Israel is number one in the world in prenatal testing, but they also recommend abortion 75% of the time, whereas the U.S. has the reverse statistic. Not—they have—they would—they would recommend abortion 25% of the time with a, a handicap. So, what we're looking for here is the perfect baby. And uh, of course, there are no, well, my grandchildren are the perfect babies, but you know,
0: <laughs> besides
1: my grandchildren, no perfect babies. But um, <laughs> right. no, so, so, and also I want to say that we have a personal Knesset. As I said, I visited the Knesset numerous times. We actually had a partner of a, a businessman who funded us to do a proposal to the Supreme Court in Israel last year last year ago, March to stop abortion at point of viability, which in Israel is 24 weeks. And we were thrown out of court. We lost the case and we had to pay court fees. And what did they say? They said a committee, the laws exist and the committee already exists to examine late-term abortions and there is no reason to change the status quo. I say that and I get tears in my eyes Mm -hmm. because we want to change the status quo. And also right now, I don't know how many of you watching would know Israeli politics, but we. We don't really have representation, we have what's a party system. And so a party gets in and the party has to hold their position in the government. And so right now our government is um, Mr. Netanyahu, which is what's called the coup, plus many, many ultra religious parties. And you would think that they would curb abortion, but indeed the minister of health, it makes me so sad to say this, that's why I hesitated. The minister of health, Uh, he's now out of office, but when he was in office in December, he passed our new uh, health budget. And in that budget, he actually, an ultra-Orthodox man, increased funding for abortion again. And the last time that happened was also also an ultra-Orthodox man. And all I can say is it's just not an issue for them.
0: It's just not an issue. There's not any political pressure or constituency, enough of one to make them change their ways, right? I mean, that's in the United States, there is a movement that keeps pressure on our politicians to pass pro-life legislation. That's not the case, unfortunately, in Israel. And I wanted to ask you beyond that, this current uh, discussion or debate in the country, and I don't wanna get too far into the weeds, but, and I don't know if we talked about this at all when I was with you in Israel, but currently there's trying. To, they're trying to reform the laws regarding the Supreme Court. Supreme Court has been, it, it, Similarly to the United States, it's become more liberal, making laws that uh, usurp the role of legislature. In Israel, there's a lot of protests. In fact, the day I left, there were 70,000, apparently 70,000 protesters came to the Knesset. Some of them broke in, apparently, occupied some space and so forth. Uh, if you would explain what's going on there, because I think that has implications in, in Israel and across the world as it relates to your democracy. So, our
1: government. You know they actually paid no heed to all those demonstrators, and yesterday they passed the law, Good. giving government more this is it more weight, more more i want to say it's almost like a scale, and they threw everything off scale now. The government, the party which is in the government, now has more power than the courts. And so we've really kicked off out of balance our um checks and balance systems. and you know are you
0: in uh, support of that? Does that have implications yeah, for the? my uh,
1: personal opinion yeah i feel yeah. deeply troubled i feel deeply troubled one of the reasons is because the party now that's in the majority in the government wow. is considering the government is ultra-orthodox and right. number, number one as a person i'm a jewish person who believes in the messiah yeshua and jesus mm-hmm. and yeah. i feel that this is not a good thing for us i feel that our freedom of speech and free religion is at risk uh-huh. um I don't even want to go into all of the details, but they're trying to do very interesting things. Uh, you know, stop train repairs on the Sabbath, and um, oh, I saw that they don't want people to bring bread into the hospitals now during Passover, which is not very okay. fair for the Arabs, of course. Um,
0: trying to change the
1: status quo of those who can make immigration to Israel. It used to be if you had a Jewish grandparent, they're trying to take that right away, trying to make it impossible to pray in certain Why
0: wouldn't they want Jews to come back to Israel?
1: They do, but they only want those who follow religion in the way that they do. Um, In some ways, I feel like it's a throwback to the Pharisees and Sadducees 2,000 years ago. mm -hmm. And as I read the Bible, and I'll tell you what, Mark, I I have great hope because God never stopped being, being in control, and it says in Isaiah, God is our lawmaker, God is our judge, God is our king, and no matter what, and God is our savior. And no matter what the government does, God is the, on the throne.
0: Amen. Well, you know, that's a good sun, uh, summary because I'm still trying to understand Israeli politics. It's going to take me some time, but I was curious about the current situation, and I appreciate you taking that time to explain it. Uh, you know, I was with an evangelical ministry there for a week, and one of the goals, of course, is that the Jews would come back to Jesus, would come to Jesus, right? I mean, that's kind of the goal, right? And anything that would put roadblocks in the way of that is not a good thing. And so it, it's helpful to get that perspective from you. I would have figured that reigning in the Supreme Court, which, you know, may have gone outside of what it's supposed to be doing, would be a good thing, because that's what we do here in the United States. We try to limit the ability for the courts to make law. Uh, We have a check and balance, and for 200 plus years, it's served us fairly well. But it looks like they may be overreaching here a bit. Uh, Let me just ask you, this will probably be the final question, because I know you got a busy day, but we talked about activism Mm -hmm. briefly when I was in Israel with you. And, you know, Created Equal, we are an activist organization. We go to college and high school campuses. We go out onto the street. We talk to people using abortion victim photography and so forth. And I ask you how that would come across. How would that work in Israel? What would the reception be if we were to say, take a group of us and go out to Tel Aviv, for an example? I don't know. I mean, just theoretically, if that were to be the case. And is there anything like that happening in Israel?
1: There, there's a group in Haifa that goes out sometimes on the streets and I have gone out with flyers, I've gone out with tables and, and uh, you know, baby models. And what I think is, I don't really care how they receive it. I need people to be educated. We need to do that. We need to get out and give people the information. It's not fair, it's not fair to pressure a woman to have an abortion and not give her all of the information that she needs to know exactly what she's doing. She needs to know baby development. She needs to know the consequences of the abortion. Women are intelligent people and they have the right to make an educated, educated decision to choose life, not pressured, not a knee-jerk response because she's so afraid or somebody threatened her. People need to know the facts. And so I am thrilled with the prospect of you coming here, Mark. Somebody's listening and wants to come and visit Israel and go out and educate the public about the consequences of abortion on the mother and the child because we are here to protect both of them.
0: Amen, amen. You know, they, the, the Israelis don't look kindly to outsiders coming into the country. I mean, I, I, you know that, especially evangelists, for some reason. I would, again, that was another one of those wake-up calls to me. I thought, wow, you know, it should, seems to me that they would be open to that because they have free speech laws, but apparently that's not the case. And you also mentioned that you thought Israelis would basically, you know, kind of yawn at, at our efforts, because it's such a, I guess, settled issue in the country, where here, it's still a hot debate between pro-life and pro-choice. We often get very, you know, adverse reactions, some of them even violent in some cases, or they de- vandalize our, our, our materials and our resources and our signs and so forth. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested in seeing how that would go in Israel, and I'd love to work with anybody there to make it happen. Uh, Sandy, if you would, I wanted to take a moment and just give us some parting words from Israel to encourage our American uh, pro-lifers here and, uh, and give us some hope for your nation when it comes to the unborn and even beyond that as the more important thing, and that is the spreading of the gospel.
1: Hope there is great hope even saving one life. You know, the Talmud says he who saves one life has saved as if he saved the world. And I can thank God since I've been in Batraim since 2006, we've saved about 5,000 lives. I can thank God. There is always hope. And I would say, you know what, no matter what results you're seeing, we're serving a living God. We're serving the King. And he wants us to continue to serve him with our voice. It says, get ye up in a high mountain, Zion, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. That's what we're called to do with joy. And I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to save both the Jew and the Gentile. So we just keep on speaking because we love God. And it says in Corinthians, and we are compelled, we are motivated by the love of God. We really have no ulterior motive. Our motive is to love God and serve man. And that's that's what we're called to do. So for me, it's it's all a win-win because you can never lose because you're sharing the love of God with people that are really in quite a desperate situation. And I would just say to people that are listening, don't be ashamed to help a woman choose life. That's her best choice. And don't be ashamed to help her get healing. We have people in our congregations and our churches that have had abortions even years ago and they're ashamed. And one of the things we offer is help and healing. And I think most of your centers in the US offer Healing after loss of a baby, after abortion, get that help. Find help and find new hope, because we have the God who forgives, who heals, and who wants to heal our hearts and our nations.
0: My guest has been Sandy Shoshani, and she's with Israel Pro Life. Or I'm not even going to try it anymore.
1: Hallelujah. chayim to life. To life.
0: Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> you can go to the website. I'm going to spell it again. B-E-A-D-C-H-A-I-M dot com. Sandy, thanks for being on the program. It's been a blessing to hear from you and be encouraged uh, of what's going on in Israel and your work to save women and the unborn. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Mark. God bless. So, friends, uh, here's your call to action, and that is go to MarkHarrington.org and subscribe to the podcast. If, you're, uh, if you like what you heard today about the, my discussions on abortion regarding the state of Israel, I'm going to be spending a little bit of time on some uh, upcoming programs, hopefully with my good friend Tom Short from Tom Short uh, Campus Ministries. You just talk about our visit to Israel overall and what we both learned on our tour. So you've been listening to the your radio activist here on the Mark Harrington Show. Uh, you can go to markharrington.org to find out more. We'll see you next time. God bless you, God bless America, and remember America to bless God.